Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, we're so glad you're joining us today. Um, this is the Messy Walk Podcast. I am your host, Steph, with Pastor Adam. I am here as well. Hey everyone. Hey, hey. We're in our series, Things I Wish I Would Have Known When I Started Following Jesus. And we've been through a couple so far. Yeah, today will be the fourth one. Yep, today yep. is the fourth one, and we are on episode 125. 125th episode. Yeah, and I definitely want to highlight, um, number one, like the week one is it's okay to be a baby Christian. And we got a lot of positive feedback on that one. Uh, we had some people that were newer Christians, and we had people that had been Christians for a while, and they were commenting on it was just a beautiful reminder that it's okay to be a baby in whatever you know area they're in in their walk with Jesus. Absolutely, yeah. We were just talking about that. Just Stephanie happened to bring it up, and um, prior to this, and we were just saying that, and I don't know if we said it like this on that episode, but we said the concept. Yeah. That. Um, Everybody is a baby. Every Christian is a baby Christian in some aspect, probably multiple aspects, right? Yeah, probably. And like, and that reminds me, like when I think through um, the discipleship pathway we have at church, um, I constantly put myself through that filter, and I go, "Okay, where am I at?" And I find at least three, four, five all the time yeah. that I am immature in. Me too. Right? You know, those marks of maturity that I am not mature in. I find them very easily. And so everybody's a baby Christian in some way, shape, or form, right, in probably multiple ways. And I think that was what you were saying. Like people, the pe- some of the people that talked to you about that episode, they've been Christians for a while, like a long while. Yeah. And they identified with it, which I thought was pretty cool. So Yeah, I love neat. that. And yeah. I also want to give a shout-out to Jasmine Smith. Jasmine. I went to high school with her. I call her Jasmine Aroe. She messaged me. Yes. We had our little nicknames, but um, she messaged me and she was letting me know what she thought about the podcast. And she said that she loved the term baby Christian. I just thought that was really cute. That's cool. That's cool. Well, you know, people identify with those things. And I think all we're trying to talk through, really, all we're trying to talk through with this this series um, are things for us that we honestly wish we would have known early on, right? And mm-hmm. so I hopefully if, if we do that right, it will people will identify with it. So that's awesome. Yeah, so that was the first one. The one Stephanie's talking about was the very first one of this series, which would have been uh, episode 122, if yes. you want to go back and take a look at it. And then we hit a couple of other ones. The Bible's not always easy to read. Last week we hit The Christian Life Will Have Ups and Downs. And episode 20, 125 today, which is number four, What's the one for this one, Steph, that we wish somebody would have told us when we first started following Jesus? You're not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in your struggles. Hey, so everybody can hear that deep inside your soul. You are not alone in your struggles, right? That that statement applies implies two things. Um, one, that you have struggles. You do. Um, and two, you are not alone in them. You're not the only one facing them. This episode sort of piggybacks off of what we talked about in episode 124, the last episode, which was number three, which was the Christian life will be messy. Our intention in that episode was to really talk about the hills and the ups and the downs and the valleys of following Jesus that nobody warned us about. Yeah. That there's mountaintop experiences and there's valleys and all these things. And we talked through that a whole lot, but we also got off on a tangent of 
um, of the fact that that your life is going to be messy, like you're going to have sin struggles and problems and issues. And that's sort of, we're, we want to take that into today's episode further than what we talked about. And the great thing is, is that Steph and I, when we record, we record about every two weeks and we typically record two podcast episodes. So by the time we get around to recording again, we don't really have any clue what we talked about on the ones before, right? Without, <laughs> right. without going and listening to it. And we're ahead of them coming out. So like the one that we're talking about right now, as we're recording this one, hasn't come out yet to you. When you hear this, <laughs> it will have been out. <laughs> but as we are recording it, it's not. And so um, I feel like we said a lot of stuff last time that will apply to this one. But I don't remember, so we're just going to I don't go remember it, everything right? either. Um, so, so what we're saying this week is, um, number four in this series, we wish someone would have told us. We wish we would have known when we first started following Jesus that you're not alone in your struggles. Um, I was sure as a younger Christian, and I mean, like, if I'm, if I'm really honest, as a younger pastor, um, as, a, as a seasoned pastor, you know, like when we started Union, I have been in um, – we started Union Church, which is a church that Stephanie and I planted together along with several other people, my wife and kids and a bunch of other folks, um, which is almost 12 years old. When we started that, um, I would have been like a pastor kind of with 10, 12, somewhere years experience, right? So a decent amount of experience. But – even as a pastor, not just a young Christian, but even as a pastor at that point, I was still sure that nobody battled with the temptation like I did. I was mm-hmm. I was just certain that nobody had those struggles like I had, um, and I and I just felt it constantly. Um, that nobody had sin lurking in the shadows like I did. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I like, get that. Like that they weren't struggling with the same stuff day after day, week after week, month mm-hmm. after month. That they were seeing that everybody else who was following Jesus that I was paying attention to, and the vested Christians, the ones that were mature and further along, that they weren't they were seeing victories where I was just constantly in defeat. And I was mm-hmm. just certain that, that was the case. Um that that surely every other believer had conquered sin or at least at least it appeared that way on a Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So let's just pause for a second and talk about how we tend to come across on Sunday. Um, and and you, can, you know we're in the South because I just said Sunday. Yeah. Right? Not Sunday. Um, Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. Matter of fact, what Southerners do with that word is we go back and forth between both, but we never say it correctly. So the correct way to say it would be Sunday. Quick. We either say Sunday or Sunday. Like with yeah. a big pause Twang. in between. Right. So, I mean, let's just talk about how we tend to act as Christians on Sunday. Um, there is this air that we put off on Sunday at church around everybody else that everything's great. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, and I'm not downing uh, people who wear their Sunday best at all. Um, I don't wear a Sunday best. I wear a T-shirt and jeans. Um, and it's intentional. It's on purpose, so that if somebody who does not um, doesn't know church, doesn't have things, you know, whatever it may be, if they walk in and the pastor's wearing jeans and a t-shirt, they know they're okay, right? Whatever it is they're wearing, and we've been doing that since day one at Union. Um, but I don't say anything bad about wearing your Sunday best. Do your thing. Wear your suit. Do whatever you want, right? 
But there is an air of hiding behind clothing yeah. to make it appear like you got it all together. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a there there it would be easy for us to put on our best and hide behind that and make it look like everything's okay on the outside when it's really not. And we have this we have this thing as Christians like especially on Sundays where we walk in and instead of being broken like we are and honest and open about it, we pretend. You know, and you should have a different answer to the question in church than you do during the week. So, like, if you're out in the world and you ask somebody how they're doing, what's the answer that you always say back, Steph? What's the answer? Everybody says, if I say, hey, how you doing? What do you say back? Quick. Bam. One well, more. people say I'm good. Yeah. Good. But typically, I'll be like, I'm doing okay. And I'm like, does that sound negative? <laughs> right. And, and a lot of people are like, fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Right. Fine. Doing good. Right. And that's the quick answer. And in the church, it should be different. Um. And I mean in the churches, in the people of God, not necessarily Sunday morning. But, hey, let's start with Sunday morning. It should be different. Somebody should say, hey, how you doing? And you should answer that question honestly. Yeah. Instead of, instead of other Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ having to pull that out of you all the time. And I think that Christians on Sundays tend to act like this because I felt for the longest time that I had to be the only one struggling with these things, whatever those things were at that moment. And that everybody else, at least on Sunday – Appeared to have it all together, right? Yeah, yeah. They appeared to have everything together. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, me and Valerie, like, even as a pastor, me and Valerie would have just fought like cats and dogs on a Saturday night. We're going to get to that, by the way, next episode. But we would fought like cats and dogs on a Saturday night, right? And had to whoop a kid on the way to church, right? For acting crazy. And then we walk in the door and go, hey, how's it going? And just act like everything's good, you know? Right. Um, and, and other families would do the same thing. Like, they all looked like they had this happy, perfect little family. And so we as Christians tend to give off this air that we ain't struggling at all. Um, I was so certain in certain settings. I'll give you an example in a minute. I was so certain that that was the truth, that I was the only one struggling and these other people weren't, that I wouldn't dare talk about them. I wouldn't dare talk about those struggles. Like I remember being a pastor um, at a church in Durham, and the other pastors that were on staff, the other staff members, right, ministers of different areas, you know how it goes. I was so certain that they didn't have the same struggles that I felt like I needed to keep my mouth shut about mine, and I wouldn't dare bring it up. Like, I would not bring it up. And even if I was preaching or teaching, I would be very conscious about the those particular people being around, and I didn't want to reveal too much of myself in a message or whatever, because I was scared that they would be like, oh, my gosh, he struggles with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and the result of this, the result of walking around buying this lie that nobody else is struggling, that you're by yourself in it, the result is this life of continued failure in your sins and struggles and increasing defeat. Like you're constantly feeling like you're defeated um, over and over and over again. Like, let's go back to the to the statement. You are not alone in your struggles. That implies two things. One, that that other people struggle. And two, you are not alone. Right? Those two things. Yeah. You know, everybody struggles. Yeah. Um, the Bible's pretty daggone clear about the fact that, and so is Jesus, by the way, that everybody sins. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. 
that's not just a statement about the sin we're born into. It's not just a statement about natural sin. It's not just a statement about humanity and sin. It's also a statement about us, even in Christ, that we struggle with things and sinfulness. And here, here's what I know, Steph, and you're getting older, and so uh, which you probably don't like, but you're getting older. I'm and, okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> and you, 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 as you get older, you see this more, that the vast majority of our struggles as human beings, they're the same. They are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we tend to think that I'm, I'm the only one that struggles with this. And the people in my group, the people in my circle, the people in this age group in my life, they're not struggling with that. Or at least they don't appear to be. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've been pastoring now for 23 years. Um, everybody struggles with the same. Everybody, for the most part, struggles with the exact same stuff. Yeah, all humans are basically the same. Like, and so this idea that you're not alone, that you are alone in your struggles, man, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell to keep you by yourself, to keep you hidden in those struggles, so that you do continue to lose, you do continue to feel like a failure, you don't lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't lean into the power of community. In the church, right? That's right. Because there is power in community. When you know, when you've got a couple of believers that get together and admit together their struggles, they're not commiserating. They are growing together. Like a big part of growing in your struggles is actually talking to someone else about those things, and you working together with each other, right? Yeah. Um, and. I wish somebody would have told me that when I was a young follower of Christ. I wish I would have known that when I first started following Jesus, because I think I would have been more open earlier, which I think would have led to more victory, a, be- a bigger and better testimony, um, a-, a-, a group of people to walk against these struggles with me, right? Yeah. I mean, how big of a deal is it in your life when you have somebody that you'll, you'll break down and you'll tell them about a struggle? And then two weeks later, a month later, four weeks later, whatever it may be, they text you and they say, hey, how's this going? Right? Mm-hmm. Hey, how, how's that working out? You, f- you feeling better about this? You know. They're checking in. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a check-in to it. And it's just like, it's almost like a whisper from the, from the heavens that says, you're not alone. You're seen. Right? Yeah. yeah. You're not by yourself. You're seen. You're known. Yeah. And that's a big deal. Um. And I think that we just often, too often, walk around, you know, thinking that we are alone in our struggles, and we're not. So every every human being is struggling, and we're virtually all struggling with the same stuff. I mean, think about this. The ma- majority of people's personal struggles are coming from uh, family, right? Um, I've yet to meet a perfect, got-it-all-together family. I've met plenty that pretend. Yeah, I have to. I've met plenty that pretend like that's the case. But all it takes is one uh, – all it takes for you to actually see that there's cracks in that foundation is to go to one family ga- gathering and stay a little too long, right? Get invited to one thing and be there a little bit longer, and you'll realize that all families are the same, that, that we all have family struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, everybody's got mama issues and daddy issues. Yes. Everybody, right? Everybody. And I had wonderful parents. Like, my parents are great, and yet I still spent – I hope my mama doesn't listen to this episode, but we've had this talk before, so I think we're okay. Um, <laughs> I spent 
two years in therapy as a grown man and as a pastor from the way I was raised, you know, and, and they are wonderful parents. Like, don't get me wrong. They're great. Um, but there was, there was stuff and Valerie and I, we, we're great parents too. Like we're trying our best, but we're still screwing up our kids in some way, shape or form. And you you, you realize it now that you're a parent and you're like, they did the best they could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and with what they were working with in the moment, and that's not a scapegoat statement. Yeah, right. I was working with exactly. a family this past week that's very close to me, um, and they had a tragic death in their family. And there's some vices involved in all of this, um, and there was some blame being placed. And I had to make sure that everybody knew, look, in the moment, that person is doing the best that they can do with what they're working with, with their issues and their problems and where they're at that day. And I think most people pretty much are, right? Yeah, that's right. Like, I don't want to say all, but I really do feel that way. But most people pretty much are doing the best they can with what they're working with, with what they got with the tools that are in their toolbox, right? That's right. And so, you know, the majority of the tools we get in our toolbox are from our parents. And so if, if, you, if you got, you know, a couple hammers and a screwdriver from your parents, well, that's what you got, right? That's what you got to work with. And then you start from there, and then you start to develop your own tools, and then you're going to pass some tools along to your kids. Um, but we're all going to screw our kids up in some way, shape, or form. Everybody's yeah. doing the best that they can at the moment with what they're working with, with their sinfulness, with their struggles, with where they're at at that moment, you know, all those kind of things. Um, but, but we all have family issues. Yeah, Everybody's got do. mama issues. Everybody's got daddy issues. Now, they vary on the significance of it. But I'm telling you right now, don't believe this lie that you're alone in your struggles with your mama issues or with your daddy issues. You're not. And the families that look like they got it all together, they don't. And there's mommy and daddy issues too. You know, it's a lot. Sometimes it's, I like to say this a lot. We all are the same. We all struggle with the same stuff. Some of us can just hide it better because we got better ways to hide it, right? You can hide it behind the clothes that you wear to church on Sunday. Some people can't. Yeah, that's right. You can hide it. It's a lot easier to hide those family issues in the cul-de-sac behind the white picket fence than it is in the trailer park. You know? Yeah, that's a good Um, point. But they're all the same. So we all have family issues. We all have relationship issues. We all have husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be, right? We all have love life issues. All of us. Mm -hmm. Everybody. I've been doing this a long time, and I've been married a long time. Valerie and I have been married six months longer than I have been a pastor. Wow. So we just celebrated 23 years of marriage, and I just celebrated 23 years of being a pastor. Long time, right? Amazing. And I can tell you right now, from our marriage and from all the marriages I interact with on a daily basis, in some in some good situations and some bad situations. You like being a pastor is a crazy thing. You get to celebrate with people at their highest moments, like of, of their, the pinnacles of their life. You know, like like the the like like Valerie and I just celebrated with you and Jonathan at your wedding, right? I mean, yes. just like a pinnacle moment, just awesome. But then we've also been there with those same people at the lowest parts of their relationships. We've been with you guys in low parts of your relationship. Yeah, you know you what have. I mean? Right. So it's a weird thing. So I've seen all these in my own marriage and the marriages that I'm around. I'm telling you right now that they all struggle. That's right. And that they're all struggling with virtually the same stuff. There's communication problems. There's intimacy problems. There's trust problems. Financial. Right. There's financial issues and woes. There's, 
there's feel like you're going in two different directions. Trust. There's growing apart, right? Like there's there's all these things, and everybody's walking through the same stuff. You're not alone in those struggles. Everybody's got family struggles. Everybody's got relationship struggles. Everybody has identity struggles. Yes. And this is where the church needs to wake up. Yes. All right. We need to wake up. We need to stop throwing stones at the most recent identity issue things that people are bringing up in our culture. Yep. And we need to realize that everybody struggles with identity. Um, and that should give us some empathy. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't say that we're condoning anything. Right? right. I didn't say that we're agreeing. I said it should give us some empathy, some love, some care, some concern for people who struggle with identity problems because everybody struggles with identity problems. Yes. Every, I am constantly battling who I am as a person. Me too. And I'm constantly falling into that who I am as a person is what I do. Right? And that's not I true. Get that. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not true. It doesn't go with what scripture says. It doesn't go with what Jesus says. Like um, that that I, I am what I do. And then the, the way this works is, is if you ask yourself, like, who am I? Your first gut reaction is almost always what you do as a job, right? Almost always. And then you'll feel guilty because you'll go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm more than a pastor. I'm, I'm more than a teacher. I'm more than that. And then you'll immediately think of the next most pressing thing, that, you, that will form your identity. So the next most pressing thing, if you've got children, is, is, well, I'm a father. I'm a mother, right? And then you'll feel guilty again because you'll go, well, wait a minute. Um, I was a wife or a husband first, right? So you're like, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a husband. And then, and then you'll keep going. And then you'll get to, no, I feel guilty again because I just eliminated Jesus all out of it. And so who I am first is a Christ follower. And if you will push, it's a, there's a deeper answer than even that. There's a deeper answer than you are a Christ father, follower. The deeper answer is, is that you are a masterpiece, right, made in the image of God. Like yeah. that's, that's who you are. You are in the image of God. Like, so you're more than what you do. But everybody battles that, that um, funnel of who am I and identity problems all the time. And when new things come up in life, you struggle with that becoming your identity, right? right? I don't know a mama yet who has not struggled with their whole identity being wrapped up in being a mama. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and at the end of the day, being a mama's great, but it can't be who you are because it leaves you wanting at the end. It's not that's not it. That's not the real answer. You know, you're more than that. And everybody's struggling with identity. So I haven't met a man yet who does not struggle with his identity tied into his job, work, the amount of money he makes, how he provides, his self-worth coming from all of that. I haven't met one yet. That's right. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that men and women don't have those same struggles. I'm saying women haven't felt that way too about their careers. Sure they have. But everybody struggles with family, relationships, identity. Everybody struggles, if you want to throw this in, outside of relationships, sexual-related issues. Everybody has sexual-related issues. Everybody has sexual-related yes, issues. Yes, everyone does. And I'm talking about Christians, too. I'm not just pointing my finger at the world. Everybody has those things. You can think of the most – just pause. Think of – everybody listening, think of the most um, mature Christian in your life, in the world, that you know of. Like the greatest Christian, righteous person you can think of. Most everybody's going to think of – a grandma or something like they're going to think of some old woman right? like and there'll be some old men in there too but they're going to think of like this person 
They're the most righteous, holy person I know. All of them went through puberty. Grandma was a teenager too. Grandma has sexual sin in her life. Grandma's also a human, right? And there are there are leanings and problems and issues that we all have sexually. So everybody has these issues. And I could keep going. I keep naming issues that we all have that are common human struggles. But I'm just telling you that we're all the same. So you are – other people do struggle, and you're not alone in those things. Yeah. And so the fight has to be – you have to fight to have people around you that you can talk about these things to, and then you have to fight to be open with them. That I, is so true. I wish somebody would have told me when I first started following Christ to just be open. Yeah. To hell with what somebody's going to think about you. Don't worry about right? the oversharing part. Right. Don't worry about it. Be open, right? Yeah. Be open. Because if you're open, man, things can grow and change, and the Holy Spirit can intertwine your life with other believers' lives in so many ways. But if you are hiding it and holding back on it, you're just giving the enemy a place to work, right? If you are walking around isolated on an island, the only thing that grows on an island is sin, and it grows a lot, Yeah. right? That's it. You're not alone in your struggles, and you're going to have to fight. As a Christ follower, you're going to have to fight hard to be in real, authentic community with other people. Yes, you know? be open. And that's more than just a – I probably shouldn't say this on Patrick Church, but that's more than just being in a small group. That's right. right? Uh, that's more than just being in a Bible study. It's it's like you also have to go outside of that. Like when you build th- this community, you're there for each other in the hard times and in the good times. Yes. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm constantly trying to put um, – now, this is not all, but I'm constantly trying to put men around me that that check three boxes, right? Now, this is hard for me because it is really difficult, and I'm failing at it constantly. I get that. Right? Failing at it constantly. But I'm trying to put men around me that check three boxes. They are the Christ follower that I want to be when I grow up. They are the father that I want to be when I grow up, and they are the husband I want to be when I grow up. That's good. And if they check those three boxes— I want to spend time with them, but I don't just want to act like everything's okay in my life and glean from them. I want to be open with my life with them. You know, um, like I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a counselor right now, um, which for some of you, you just logged on to the Mexi Walk podcast or you just pulled it up to listen because God wanted to tell you it's okay for you to go see a counselor, right? Yeah. Um, because the pastor just said he does, man, he must be jacked up. You are right, I am. So same, you know, it's all right. So, so I'm seeing a counselor right now in Lynchburg, and the whole reason I picked this person is because they are a former pastor who uh, spends their time now counseling pastors only, um, and they have a solid, not perfect marriage. And they have a solid relationship with their grown children, right? Yeah. Um, and they love Jesus. And they want to serve pastors um, because they love Jesus. Like, that's why I picked that's the nice. person. That's nice. That's why I picked the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been hard to open up, even in that setting, even in a setting that is designed for you to open up. I was talking to him about this Um I think it was maybe two or three times ago I talked to him. Anyway, I was talking to him about this because 
And by the way, he doesn't know that I know all that about his personal life. I did some research. <laughs> <laughs> like the person who suggested him, I was like, okay. And I knew that person well. I was like, okay, tell me um, about his marriage. Tell me about his family life. Tell me about his past history in the church. Like, tell me those things. Anyway, so I can't remember which one it was. He told me, he said, yeah, it usually takes people three, four, five times, even in a counseling environment, to really open up about their struggles. Wow. And that's crazy mm-hmm. because that's in, a, that's in an environment that's designed for that. You're going into that environment on purpose. With the sole purpose to go, I need help, right? Right. And it still takes four, five, six times. That's crazy. So how much more then is it in our regular everyday relationships, and especially our relationships with other Christians in the church, how long are we – how much time are we wasting not being open about our struggles when we hang out with people, we talk to people? A lot. I mean, if it's four or five, six times in a counseling session – it's got to be just. It's got to be twice as many in a regular setting. Yeah, you know, and I can tell you this is true. I can tell you that we've had people that I've spent a lot of time around, um, whether they're volunteers serving in a capacity or leader, and it will be years. And we've served in the trenches together. It'll be years before I find out what they struggle with, which is weird. Because that one's like a combo. That one's like a combo. And that one's like, here's my Christian brothers and sisters, right, that I'm in a relationship with. And here's my pastor, which falls into that counseling category most of the time anyway, right? Yeah. And I'll be hanging around some of these people for a couple years before I know what they really struggle with. And then when it finally comes out, I'm like, why the heck haven't you said anything? Yeah. Why have you kept this quiet? And then I feel guilty. I'm like, did I set the right tone for this to be able to be said or what? You know, it's like, like, why didn't you say anything? Because... Man, I've struggled with this too for years, and I can help you, and you can help me. You know, um, you need to know, and I don't know where we're going with this or where we're about to stop or what. Um, I'll let Steph take back over, but uh, you need to know that, you know, no matter where you are in your faith walk, but especially if you are new to following Jesus, that you are going to struggle, um, that there is a temptation for you to buy into the fact that everybody else has got it together. And you need to know that you are not alone in your struggles and that the vast majority of the things that you're going to struggle with is things that other people struggle with. Yeah. I mean, the vast majority. And what would you say to someone that feels like they really, like they just physically don't have any friends? They just feel like they don't have any other believers in their life. What would you say to them? That is a very hard place to be. Mm-hmm. And, and the best thing is, is to realize it. And so if you're sitting there going, if you just do an inventory and you're like, I don't have anybody to talk to. Um, one, I would say that you are probably not involved in your local church then, probably. Yeah. Right? You're probably sitting on the sidelines. And if you are involved, you're not really being truly you. And that's a downfall. You can't do that. Right? Right. So, But more than likely, you're not involved in your local church um, because you've got those brothers and sisters in your local church. They are there for you. There's all kinds of ways to get involved with them without sitting around talking about your feelings. Right? True, you know what I mean? True, Where yeah. it turns into real <laughs> friendships. You know what I'm saying? Um and those people, those those Christ followers, this is why you need to fight for relationships with people within your local church. One, you need to be in a local church. Two, um, you need to fight for relationships in your local church because you have more in common with those brothers and sisters in the faith than you do with your own brothers and sisters, like your birth brothers and sisters who don't know Christ. Yep. You've got more in common. If you have a brother or a sister or a mama or a daddy— this is going to get brutal. If you've got a brother or sister or a mom and daddy or even a husband, 
There's a lot of women that listen to this podcast whose husbands aren't believers, that are not believers. Love them, be there for them. Obviously, they're your family, they're your friends, right? But you have more in common with a 10-year-old girl in Kenya who's a Christ follower than you do with that person that we're talking about because you're going to spend eternity linked with that other person, right? You carry, you carry the same identity that they carry. Yep. You, you carry the same last name that they carry. Mm-hmm. And they may have some weird last name and your last name's Cook or Shelton or whatever it is, but um, you, ha- you carry the name of Jesus together. And so you have a lot in common with them. So you've got to fight to be involved in the local church. And if you're saying, I don't have any Christian friends, I bet you you're not involved in the local church. So you can't just keep going to church um, with Stephen Furtick every Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Right? I don't mean nothing against anyone. Be of that, online. Right? I, yeah. You can't do it. Right? You've got to. And so you're probably not in a, in a, in a vested relationship in the local church, or you're probably not serving in the local church. You're probably not in, involved in that way. So just get there first. And then the biggest thing is going to be you're going to have to just be open and honest when you get in a, in a circle where you can be. And, um, when those when that when when that particular relationship doesn't work out or those aren't your people, don't let that keep you from continuing to try to find your people. Yeah, right? because it can get to this point where you feel like I don't want to do this again. I don't want to try to make another friend because I'm burnt out. I've been hurt. You know, nope. Make the effort. Gotta Be open. Got to do it. Right. It's a non-negotiable in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, community with believers, real open community, is a non-negotiable. Amen. It is a baseline requirement to follow Jesus. Baseline, right. right? When people flip out, this is not about this, but when people flip out about tithing, mm-hmm. you, you're missing – like that's not like something for the super spiritual. That's a baseline requirement for following Jesus. Right. Is to worship him with everything that you have, right? Is to give him your first – He's the best. reason we have it in the first place. <laughs> right. right. It's, it's a baseline requirement for you to um, – attend church is not what I'm going for, but – to be with other believers and worship together. It's a baseline requirement. It's a baseline requirement to fast. Yeah. Right? To to fast. Like people hear fasting and they think, oh, that's for the super spiritual. Jesus expected his Jesus the way Jesus talks about fasting multiple times in the gospel, he's expecting them to be fasting. Like it's just like a given. Right. When you fast, you do this like this. When you pray, you do this like this. Jesus is going, I mean, this is a given, right? I mean, those are just baseline things. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm off now. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, We're oh, talking about oh, the baseline being yeah, like you have to be in community. community. Yeah, you, yeah. Have to be. you have to be, right? Like you just have to. Um, it's not a negotiable. So you can't let hurt in relationships and seasons of relationships because relationships with people – are seasonal, right? Yeah. Most of your most of your relationships, they come in seasons. There are people that you are best friends with through school and high school. And then you'll notice you get out of high school four or five years and you don't even have any contact anymore with half of those people. Ever. But you were like greatest friends ever in high school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're like, a different person then. It's a yeah. season. It's a season. And it's okay. And so when you put yourself out there and you form that relationship and you're open and you're honest and it's working and a relationship falls apart for whatever reason, the person moves, you have some sort of falling out, Got gets involved, you get ghosted, I don't know, right? Whatever it is, that can't be an excuse for you to go, 
I'm just going to keep to myself now. It's too much trouble, like you said, to put mm-hmm. it out there again. You can't because it's, it's not your call to make. Ooh, that's good. Right? It's not your decision to make. So come what may, it's still a baseline requirement for you to be in community with Jesus. I mean, with other believers because you follow Jesus. Yeah. And anything he gives us as a baseline requirement to follow him, it is for your good. That's why he's doing it. Right? It's That's not right. it's not for any other reason. So what you gotta do is you gotta say, I trust my father. There's, he does he knows what's best for me. He does what's best for me. He leads me to what's best, right? He leads me beside still waters. He restores my strength. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. That's Psalm twenty. I love that, right? yeah. Like that's the shepherd. And so if he is leading me to you must be in community, it is what's best for me even if I have to fight through personal hurt to do it over again, it is what is best for me. It is not my call to make. Look, and he is not a liar. The devil is. Mm -hmm. He's telling you the truth. You need community, right? Mm -hmm. The enemy will say you don't. Be by yourself. It ain't worth it. Don't do it again. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm talking about something that Valerie and I have walked through intensely in the last five years. Like the last five years, this has been a big deal. We had some friendships that we had worked hard on and they were really important to us and they fell apart. Yeah. Right. And those people ditched us. And I don't know another way to say it. And if you're listening and you think, you know, you're talking about, you probably don't, but on who I'm talking about, you probably don't. But I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. Like we got, we got kicked to the curb. And that's hard. And it was, and and our kids were involved this time. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, um, it wasn't just us. It was a whole family thing. And it's really hard to pick yourself back up and go, we still need to make new, we still need to make friends. Um, that we can't just lead a church and disassociate ourselves from real community. We, st- we have to push through and do this. Yeah. And so when somebody asks us to go to dinner, we have to say yes. Um, and we have to be open to the new relationships that God might be bringing in that season. And at the same time, we have to be open about who we are and what we struggle with and trust that God's bringing the people in our life that, that we need and that they need us. You that's know? right. And, and that's been a real life struggle over the last five years. Like we've bought that lie, the enemy of no pastors can't your, your role, your responsibility. You can't have real friends. You're, it's different. You can't have real friends. We bought that lie. That's mm-hmm. a lie of the enemy because it is a lie. the baseline requirement of following Jesus, one of those is you've got to be in community. So God's not going to lead his leaders to not do something that he's telling his followers to do, right? That's, that's called hypocrisy. Um, Jesus himself had these intimate relationships with people. It wasn't just him with a bunch of disciples, and it wasn't just him with 12. He had an intimate three, an intimate three. Mm-hmm. And guess what those three did? They heard him. And yet, what does he do? He still is in intimate relationships with them, right? And he still forms those relationships. And so if he's doing it, if he's telling us to and he's doing it, then we have to do the same thing. And he's not going to lead me as a pastor to tell people to be in real authentic community like we're doing right now on the podcast and then me not do it also. That's right. right? You know what I mean? Like that. that's, that's, same that's here. hypocrisy. Yeah. And and that is what's that that's what I call moral authority. I don't know how long we've gone, but I'm gonna go with this thought. So I really believe in moral authority, personally, like more than just about anything. Um, 
So as a leader of the church. So here's what's going to happen to Union Church, Steph, when uh, Jesus comes back and the world's over. Uh, we're going to face judgment about how we led this church. And Jesus is going to say, man, y'all messed a lot of stuff up, right? Yeah. You got this wrong. You got this wrong. You got this wrong. We were scrappy in the right? beginning. <laughs> you guys you guys screwed up a lot of stuff, right? And it's going to be this long list of things we do not do right and we have not done well and we've led people astray in those ways. I mean, this is going to be a bunch of them. Let's just be real, right? But then I, I firmly believe there's going to be this one thing that he's going to go, but you got this right. And it's going to be this idea of moral authority that we're not going to put anybody in a leadership capacity role in any way, shape, or form who are not doing the very things that we're telling the people who we're following us to do. Right? You're not going to ever see me put somebody on an offering moment who does not give. You're not going to see me have somebody tell people to be in community who are not in community. Right. You're not going to see me tell, me and Valerie tell the church to sponsor a compassion kid or go on a mission trip or uh, be in community or serve or give, tithe, fast, any of those things, and we not do it. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And so I have to push forward with community and relationships and be myself with people, even if I've gone through hard situations. One, because Jesus requires it. Requires it. Two, because I need it. And three, because I have to have the moral authority to be able to tell somebody else they need it. Right? That's right. Be a hypocrite about it. So I just had to add it in there. No, oh, that's good. Well, thank you so much for what you shared today. We are very appreciative. I didn't think we were going to go this route, but I'm glad we did. You I'm know glad what I mean? we like, did too. I don't think that's kind of where it was leading, but. You know, and hopefully, hopefully it makes sense when we listen back. <laughs> That's what we always hope. <laughs> <laughs> but by then it's too late anyway. It's already out there. Facts. So it just go to go with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Um, we're glad that you're here. And so I would just give you one little last bit of advice or a little recap, I guess, is other people struggle with about the exact same stuff you do. You're not alone in it. And do not... Allow yourself to not be real about these struggles. If you will be real in these settings, you will help set a tone for other people to be real. That's right. You know, and somebody's got to go first. That's that is so good. That's true. Somebody got to go first. So it might as well be you. Like I find myself in that situation a lot, Steph, like this past week in the middle of a horrendous, um, just atrocious death. And it was, somebody said to me, like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to lead this? Um, and I said, you know what? Everybody has their part to play in the kingdom of God, and this is my part. And and then I felt like, and somebody's got to do it. That's so right. it might as well be me. Somebody's got to be open about their struggles and start a conversation. It might as well be you. Might as well be. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's all we got. All right. Well, thanks Roll for us joining out, us. Steph. get us out of this thing well we're glad you joined us today we're glad you listened we hope you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus Uh, make sure to follow us on the podcast yeah follow follow us on Instagram we'll be back Instagram and Facebook and Facebook right Yeah, yeah that's all we're on All right. well we'll see you next week see you next week thanks 
Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.